Good morning, Harvest. Uh, my name is Kenan Vaughn. I've got the privilege of being the lead pastor here, and it uh, really is a privilege. I uh, love to be here. I love to be with you. I love you guys. Uh, I especially love those young people that were on this stage. It is such a blessing. Can we give them a hand? Love them so much, love seeing them here, have loved watching the last seven years if they have flooded into our city. There's somewhere between 250 and 300 uh, emerging leaders now who have come to Memphis uh, after college to not just launch right into their vocation and, and start you know, doing their thing, but to come and to learn the Word of God and to learn what it means to follow Christ and make disciples, no matter what their vocation, no matter where their location. We want them to be Christ-following disciple-makers. So it just blesses my heart to see all those faces um, and just to know that they're here laboring in our city. What a joy. Uh, so thanks, Emerging Leaders, for being here, those of you especially that are guests. Um, also, I uh, do hope that you would join us if you're free, if you can get free this weekend. That's a special deal. Uh, there are, uh, I'm not going to talk about all the speakers coming, but I will say this. For the last decade of my life, people have asked me, as I've worked in a nonprofit that focuses on disciple making, people ask me, hey, where are the churches that are doing this? Like, where are the, you know, how do you, give us a church model. And, and um, in, in large, you know, churches are usually kind of known by something, kind of some part of their DNA. And, and largely, it's hard to find churches that are really known for being disciple making churches. But there are two that I've been able to point to these last uh, five to seven years pretty routinely, and one of those is Perimeter Church in Atlanta, Georgia, with Randy Popes, the pastor. He likes to be preaching here next Sunday morning, which will be quite a blessing. He's been pastoring there 30 years, and this is a, this is a disciple-making church. And so we, ju we just want to learn as much as we can from, uh, from Randy Pope. And then Jim Putman um, wrote Disciple Shift, and uh, he is, uh, he's up in Idaho, same thing. Uh, his church there is God's just doing an incredible, multiplicative, gospel-driven work of disciple-making. And so I've been pointing these guys. They're both here this weekend. So it's really exciting, uh, as well as about 20 other speakers. But just going to be fun. Hope you'd come learn with me uh, from these men and women who are going to be there speaking to us. And the conference is for men and women. Uh, one other thing I want to make mention of, just because it's only our second week to do this, we have a pretty cool little worship, worship guide for the kids. That's, they don't all have a dog ear here. I had to spit my gum out on something. But... Uh, <laughs> But uh, yours is probably complete, a uh, normal rectangle. And this is really cool. Uh, something for the kids to follow along with. It's asking them what the title is, what songs we're singing, kind of charting what words are being mentioned, key words, themes, the sermon about. They even draw a picture on the back that, that kind of grabs a hold of what the sermon's about, and they draw a picture of it. Really cool. My kids are loving it. Again, we're week two in this, but if you didn't know about it, these are at the back when you walk in. So just getting used to picking one of these up if you've got small children. And also, Braxton and Kevin are doing something that's really a blessing blessing to our church in our weekly email now. We've got a family devotional each week that's in that email. So if you are in the child-rearing stage, uh, in, uh, or if you just have roommates and you guys want to do a Devo together, this is a great opportunity over the dinner table one night or Sunday night after dinner, whatever it is, we have a devotional that's wrapped around our sermon series uh, that kind of uh, prepares, your, you get to lead your family um, in a devotional on the message that prepares them for worship on Sunday. So I would encourage you families to be participating with us really in the discipleship of our children. I think that's where it starts in the home. Uh, so I'm excited. Turn to Luke 11, if you would, this morning. We're continuing in our series. Uh, this is week two in a new series called Investigating Jesus, Understanding the Teaching of Christ in Luke. Understanding the Teaching of Christ. So you guys might remember last spring we did Understanding the Life and Ministry of Christ in Luke. Now it's the Teaching. We're in Luke 10 to 19, 
And we are doing a series where we're walking through the parables. Jesus tells, he begins a, a new uh, kind of teaching. He starts teaching in parables in these chapters. And last week we had the parable of the Good Samaritan in chapter 10. This week we um, uh, move to chapter 11 where he tells his next story, which has profound implications for us this morning on how we're going to pray. So let's start with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much that you are alive and in our midst. Uh, thank you for these emerging leaders who have come to our city and labor with us and bring such energy and passion and excitement. Thanks for the work you're doing in their life uh, and for the work they're doing in the life of so many in our city. Lord, they are a blessing, and so I pray you'd bless them this morning. Uh, thank you for our text. Lord, I have just been so, just so amazed, just kind of had so many moments this week just in in awe of uh, how you've rigged this whole deal, where we get to know you and have intimacy with you through prayer. And I pray that you would impress that truth, that reality, that gift deep into our heart this morning so that we really would be a praying church, even selfishly that we'd be praying, because we want to better know you. We want to know you as our Lord, our Father, our Daddy. And so, God, I pray that you'd bless our time in the text. I pray that I would decrease, Lord. You must increase. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So Luke 11, you guys, why don't you stand to your feet? I'm going to read verse 1 through 13. Let's read this together, and then we'll go back and unpack it. Chapter 11, 1 through 13, here we go. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation." And he said to them, which of you has a friend, which, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I, I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of God for the people of God. And the people of God say... Praise be to God. Grab a seat. I've had, uh, I've, I've had a lot of fun uh, with this text, just marinating in it, wrestling in it. Um, uh, I think there is so much here that, that we just couldn't, po I think this could be like a three or four month sermon series, honestly. Now don't get nervous. I'm not going to try to put that all into that. But I've just literally asked God, I, I ended up with just so much that I've just prayed into the wee hours of the night last night that God would just bring forth something of clarity that would help us know how to pray. That's precisely the question the disciples ask him, and that's what I'm asking the Lord to help us with this morning. So chapter 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. I love the context that uh, the disciples were with Jesus. That's part of discipleship. He said, follow me. I'm going to make you fishermen. They were with him. They got to be in him in all the uh, context of his life. One of those was that they heard him pray. And Jesus is praying. And just imagine what that would have been like to hear Jesus pray. 
Just imagine, uh, this is, this is the, the son, the, the only begotten son of God, and he is talking to the Father. So you, you can imagine just a little bit of what that prayer might be like. Like it, like it would be like, you know, like a son talking to his dad. Like it would be just full of uh, relational intimacy. You know, there's, there's transparency. There's, there's not all like the, just the religious jargon. Nobody's using big words to impress somebody else. Like he's just talking to his dad's kind of the thing. And I think the disciples heard the intimacy in Jesus' words and his prayer. They heard him pray and they heard the relationship. And they heard it and they go, golly, I want to I know God like that. Like, gosh. To talk to God like that, like to have that kind of intimacy with God, like is that possible? Like Jesus, can, can we have what you have? Can you teach us to do that? Like can you teach us to pray? And see, I want you to keep this in mind. This is going to drive our entire theme and our entire point this morning is they're after not just words uh, not just after, you know, um, how to format the discipline of prayer in their life, not just after a structure, they're after the heart of God. They're after intimacy. Anybody in here go, God, man, I want, I want to have real, authentic, relational intimacy with God. If you do, and I do, then our question is their question. Teach us how to pray. Because it is in prayer and through prayer that we have intimacy with God. Now keep that in mind. It's going to be easy to lose that in a few verses. Don't lose that. They want that intimacy. And Jesus knows it. And um, they say teach us how to pray. And, and, and keep this one other thing in context uh, in mind. I think it had gotten kind of convoluted to uh, the Jews and under the Jewish leadership of Jesus' day. Um, how do you come to God? Like the approachability of God I think was under attack. And by the way, it's not because of the scriptures. The scriptures make clear, like, God wants us to come to him. The old, it's not, that's not just a New Testament concept. The Old Testament speaks consistently of God wanting his people to pour their need to come to him in need. The Psalms are riddled with it. I just did a quick search. By the way, there's like 80. Like, there's like 80 Psalms where, where God says something like he says in Psalm 50. Call upon me in the day of trouble and I will rescue you. I love that. Like, does that sound like God is trying to keep you at arm's length? Call upon me in your day of trouble, and I'm going to rescue. It's like God is in the ready position, three-point stance. Soon as you come to him with your need, he's in the deep end with you. He And he can swim where you can't. Like, he's going to rescue you. He is saying, come to me. I got you. That's Old Testament. Uh, I love Psalm 91. When he calls to me, I will answer him. There's just this definitiveness. I'm not going to leave you hanging. When you call, I'll answer Psalm 145, the Lord is near to all who, come, who call upon him. Like, when you are going to the Lord with your need, when you're bearing your soul before the Lord, here's a promise. He's near to you. Doesn't just hear you from afar. Not, it's not just if you happen to hit him at the right time and where the kingdom agenda of the universe is relatively under control and he's got a moment to hear you. No, when you're with him, when you're bringing your need before God, he is near to you. Now, this is Old Testament. This is littering the Psalms. And yet in their day, you could just see in the practices, like, um, only the high priest can go into the Holy of Holies where he can um, be in the presence of God. And he can only do it one day a year, uh, the Day of Atonement. National Day of Atonement, high priest goes in, and it's a hush, hush moment. I mean, it is an awe and reverence thing. If you go in at some other time, I mean, you're going you're gonna to be liable to be killed. 
And so the idea that's kind of gotten convoluted is, is this idea of, like, we can't really, I mean, can we experience God? Can we really get, can we have intimacy? Is that just for the priesthood? Is it just for the high priest? If we can go to him, when can we go to him? With what can we go to him? How do we, like, teach us how to pray? You guys with me? Um, and I think that uh, it's important to note, they didn't just say, teach us a prayer. Y'all got me? They didn't say, can you give us like a really good prayer to pray? Like maybe one that would, um, you know, placate the wrath of God against our sin. Or maybe one that would make us look really cool in front of our friends. You know, we are your disciples. We kind of need to have a good prayer. Or, or maybe it's one that, um, maybe it's one that, I don't know, kind of puts us in the favor of God so that then he'll give us whatever we want or at least some of what we want. Like can you give, they did not ask for a prayer. And I want to make sure you get that. Didn't, and Jesus is not giving them a prayer. That's not what they asked for. He's giving them what they asked for. He's teaching them how to pray. So this is not Jesus coming saying, all right, let me give you. Now memorize these words. Make sure you write these down. Say these before you eat your meals, before you go to bed, maybe before a big game. Here's your prayer. No. This is Jesus saying, whenever you pray, pray like this. Pray like this. And then the first word is a game changer. Father. Father, uh, God, who had become in that day frighteningly unapproachable, and he is God. I mean, he is the God of the universe. He is holy, righteous, and perfect, inexpressibly glorious in his holiness. And Jesus says, you want to know how to pray? Abba. Start with Abba. First word a Hebrew baby knew how to say was Abba. And, and Abba means father, but the, the, um, the understanding of the word Abba is not just like the patriarch of the family. It's the word daddy. Jesus says, I'm going to start teaching you how to pray with the first word, you go to God with daddy. I don't think we can wrap our mind. I think the disciples heard, right, Jesus hadn't gone any further, and I think, I think they are shocked. I think they're saying, wait, what? Well, we're going to the God that the high priest can only go into the Holy of Holies one time, one day of the year, and he can have a relationship, but we all got to stay back in our tents, and you want us to go to him like he's daddy? And I want to tell you something about that word. You know, I, I, can't, I can't read that word. I can't think about the word without, without having a, um, you know, a scene in my head because I constantly hear that. I constantly hear, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy this, Daddy that, Daddy, Daddy. I live in Daddy. Uh, and I, I tell you, every day, my favorite, my favorite moment of the day, and it's not even really close, there's not a close second, is when I come home from work. And I, and I always have it all planned out. I want to kind of sneak into the driveway, get out, hustle. I'm always, you know, you know how when you get home from work, you're just kind of tired. You want to like, I want to drink a water. I want to take my nice clothes. I want to put my bag down. And then I want to like, get, like hunker down with the boys. But I never, I don't think I've ever gotten it. That, that plan has never fulfilled itself. Because they hear the car. They inevitably hear it. Even if I get all the way to the car, but they'll hear the door. And it only takes one to hear it. If one of them hears it, one's going to sound the alarm. And they come running to the door, and, and we have one of those glass. They, they can get the first door open, then there's a glass door. And they are literally, I mean, they are pounding on the glass door. I mean, they are, and it's, Daddy, Daddy. They don't say anything else. It's just, Daddy. Your hands are in the air. Daddy, Daddy. And it's all of them. It's just for Daddy. And even the little guy, gosh, even little David, he's, he's a year and a half old, and he's just, he's a little guy down there, chubby. He's going, Da, Da, Da. 
I mean, oh, gosh. And uh, I want to tell you, it doesn't really matter what's going on in my day. Good, bad, or ugly, I could have lost a leg. And um, in that moment would just bring overwhelming delight to my heart. It's just this. It's just unbelievable. There's no way a father is not delighted in that moment where his children are arms up, overwhelmed with daddy. And Jesus says, look, you want to know how to pray? Here it is. Here it is. You start right here. Daddy. God, daddy. And by the way, you may be a spiritual infant. You may just need to start with dad. Jesus says, that's how you pray. That's how you pray. That's where it starts. He's daddy. And he said, hallowed be your name. This is great. He's not merely daddy. He is daddy. That's where he starts. It's not hallowed be your name. Father, it's father. Hallowed be your name. He's not merely daddy that wants you to to crawl up on his lap and and wants you to do what I do almost every night. And it's a bad habit of mine, and I'm probably messing up one of my children, but I can't stop doing this. Like when we put little David down at night, uh, we're in the depacifying stage. Some of you are in there with us, and, and, you know, they've got to learn to go to bed without the passy. And and once you do it, you know, you got to let them cry it out. And and I've read all the books. I know. Don't send me an email. Like I totally get how to do this. Um, This is our fourth go around. Uh, but I have a problem, and my problem is that that little, that little rascal cries, and here's the deal. It's not that I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's not going to be able to make it. I, I know. I know he can, he's going to be okay, but here's what I know. I know that if I go in there, I can say this because my wife's not in this church. If I go in there, um, and, and, and I know, I know what will happen, he will uh, he'll pop up. And that, that cry will immediately be the smile. I'll go, dad, dad. And I'll come over there and I'll grab him. And he, he will have his blanket and he will cuddle his head so hard. And he'll just go, dad, dad, dad. And like, like, dad, you came for me. Like, dad, I knew, I knew you'd come. And, and, I'll, and he'll snuggle. And, I'll, and listen, listen. I don't, I don't, if I'm honest, I don't think I'm really doing this for David anymore. I think this is purely out of selfish ambition. Like, I love that moment so much. I'm like, I don't know how many more nights I'll have it. So I'm sneaking in there to grab a hold of him while he's crying just because I want that moment. Okay? And again, just again, I, I feel like I begin to understand the heart of God for us when I understand my heart for my children. It, except it's infinite. It's infinite and it's perfect and it's so far beyond. And, and he is daddy, but he's not just daddy that we crawl up into his lap and put our head on his chest. He's also holy. Like, He's what I'm not. He, he is perfect love. He is the embodiment of holiness and righteousness and glory. And so hallowed be his name. My boys don't say, Daddy, Daddy, hallowed be your name. And if they do, I'd say, don't say that. We're, we're all going to be struck down. Don't say that. <laughs> no, they just, it's just Daddy. That's good enough. Let's grab some balls and, and go play some, you know, home run derby. But don't say hallowed be thy name. No, Daddy Listen, we go to God. He's daddy, but hallowed be thy name. He is God. He's father to be intimate with, and he's God to be worshipped. Isn't that amazing? And then he's not just daddy. He's not just God to be worshipped. It's thy kingdom come. He is sovereign Lord of the universe. Like he is holding all things together, working out a plan that's ultimately going to bring glory to his name. It's going to work out everything for the good of those who love him in ways we can't possibly understand. And so we want his kingdom agenda to be marching forth. We want glory to his name. It's build your kingdom. Magnify the name of your son, Jesus. 
Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Not my will. Thy will be done. And then, and then he, Jesus kind of rounds third on giving him these lines of, of giving him this how to pray, how to understand, how to come to God. And he says, um, give me my daily bread. Uh, for, forgive me of my sin. Lead me not into temptation. And all three of those come with what will be a New Testament promise. All three of those, right? Uh, give me my daily bread. Um, my God um, uh, can meet you in the depth of your need. He can amply supply your need according to his glory in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4. Um, forgive us our sin. If we are faithful to, con- if we confess our sin, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us of our sin, 1 John 1. Uh, lead us not into temptation. James 1 says our God will not lead us into temptation, especially temptation that we cannot endure. He won't do it. So here's how, Jesus, how do we come to God? How do we pray? How do we have that intimacy that you have with the Father? Well, first, you know he's daddy. You crawl up into his lap, and you recognize that he's God, and he has a sovereign agenda, and here's what you do. You just rest in his promises. Everything he gave them to pray was something they've already been promised. That's, as much, that, that's not for God. I mean, that's for you. You rest in his promises. Now, Jesus, not just giving them a prayer, remember? And sometimes I say the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Sometimes I say it to, rem- to remind myself of just, just the, the beauty and majesty of what Jesus does give us in that, in that how to approach Godness. But he's not just giving them a prayer. He's, it, it's not, the, the goal is not that we routinely pray these words. No, nothing in the Word of God leads me to believe that the heart of God is moved by our ability to formulate words from an empty heart. That's never, that's never what the scripture lends itself to. So he's not just giving us a prayer to pray, and that's so often what this has become. Uh, I coached uh, high school football for five years. Four of those years were here in Memphis, and um, I was coaching high school football. I was the running backs coach, and I was the chaplain on the team at a high school, not a Christian high school, but a high school in town. And, and you know, you coach, you really get to know the guys. That's why I coached. I, I love the ministry. I, I love getting to know those guys in the midst of their lives and their relationships and their, you know, school and just the real life, their families. I mean, you really get to know them. Uh, you, you get past all the fake in it. You really know where they are. And so I knew where they and, and we had over 100 guys on the team. And there was honestly, there was probably a handful of them that really knew Jesus. A handful. Uh, most of them were, were just lost as you could be. And their lives professed that reality. And they didn't try to hide it. These guys were full-fledged. They were inundated. They were following and worshiping the things of this world. But, you know, they did something, and, uh, and, and I remember the first Friday night, I'm with them, and I mean, I, we've, we've been through summer three-a-days, I mean, we've been w- together for a couple months, we get that first Friday night, and we, and by the way, if you had heard the music blaring in the locker room, you know, before that first, it's not K-Love in there, and, uh, um, you know, I hear that, and I have to kind of go, good gracious, and so we kind of, and then you come out, to the, and again, I love these guys, in their lostness and blindness, I am praying for them, and I'm trying to build a relationship that they may somehow come to a saving knowledge of, of Jesus Christ, I'm a hundred million times infinitely more interested in that than I am what happens on the field. And uh, we go down there, we're, I mean, they're just talking trash to each other. There's a near fight breaking out. We're playing our arch rival in the first game. It, we're having to hold guys back. There's cussing and expletives. I mean, it's just a kind of a raunchy deal. And then our team captain, uh, who is not one of those handful that loves the Lord, Team captain calls everybody together, and everybody in unison drops to a knee, and he begins to say these words that Jesus said when he taught us to pray. And I remember the first time, and I'm kind of in there with the guys, I got hands on shoulder pads, and he begins to say that, and, and I, 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 for a minute there, I'm kind of, and then I just go, wait, 
what are we doing? Like, what is happening right now? Like, these guys, could, they're, they're, li- they're living lives that are in complete rebellion against the Lord. And then they're coming together and they're acting like somehow this, I don't know, it's like a, a rabbit foot to them. This, you know, this, like the, somehow that God's going to be their lucky charm. And they pray this prayer and he's going to be with them and help them to win this game. And then they go back to living their lives that are in complete affront to his glory. And it, it messed me up so bad. That from week two on, when they would come together for that, when they would say those, it just felt like it was making a mockery of what Jesus was trying to give us here. And it felt so disturbing that I literally would just kind of leave the, I'd just take a walk. I'd take a walk and use that time to pray for the guys. And uh, I remember that probably looks funny to the folks in the stand, like, why is the chaplain not pray with the guys when they pray? But it was disturbing. And I want to tell you, I think that these words merely offered up as a sacred cow, merely offered up as a, as a lucky charm to God, as if he's some genie in a bottle and we rub it and he pops out to give us what we want and then we stuff it back away and go on about our lives. I think it's disturbing to the Lord. He is not after you memorizing the words and giving them out of empty minds and empty hearts so as to secure somehow his favor upon you in your life. How do we pray, Lord Jesus? You pray like this, like this. This is how, and you know what? I think Jesus tells us the story that he's about to tell. He gets into once upon a time here because he wants to make sure that they don't think this is merely about the words. It's not a prayer, it's how to pray, and he's going to make sure you get it by once upon a time. This story is going to give us the context for prayer, and it's going to help us to see what it means. And so watch this. And, and he said to them, he follows up with this story, which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. So let me just stop there. You got you to get into the story. How many of you guys are going to go to a friend at midnight? I mean, we, most of you are like, oh, you already lost me. You know, I'm not going to go to a friend at midnight. Uh, some of you ELs, what's the big deal? You know, midnight, one, two, it doesn't matter. We're all in this together. No, but most of us, how many are going to go to a friend at midnight and you're going to ask for three loaves. Don't think like three big loaves of bread right here. What three loaves, if you look at it in the language and kind of pull out your study tools, you figure out this is like three little small pieces of flat bread. And, so, and you take the little flat bread and you could like, you know, pour out a little olive oil and a little garlic and you rub it in there. And it's basically, it's basically the appetizer you get when you go to any Italian restaurant in town. Okay, so how many of you uh, go to a friend's house at midnight Midnight, by the way, their midnight's not like our midnight. You know, our midnight's like, you know, the new 9 o'clock or something. You know, like the, the, we, we have Jimmy Fallon and Sports Center till all hours of the night. And, you know, half of us, we're asleep, but our hand's still working on the remote. And, and midnight's kind of, it's not really okay, but it's kind of okay. Like maybe my name, if I need something, maybe he's still in there watching Sports Center. This day, there was this pre-electricity. This is... Um, this is, this is, as soon as it's dark, you burn a candle for an hour, and then you're asleep. And everybody's up working. The, the, the workday started at 6 a.m. for the entire community. So this is like midnight. You know, this is, everybody's been asleep. And you have a room back in that day. Your house was one big room, one big bed. You bedded down all the family in the, like on the kind of, blankety mattress deal and then if you had animals you bedded down the animals around the bed if you were uh, had a big enough house you'd kind of round off little mini closets that could form stables and you put your animals there and you had a big old wooden door and you'd shut that door and you put what looked like a big old wooden post and you'd clang it into place so that nobody's getting out everybody's bedded down can you imagine trying to get animals and children and everybody to go to sleep and you're you're i mean this is midnight neighbor Neighbor, hey, hey, John, Psst, John, John, you in there? 
John, I need three loaves, man. Need three loaves. John's going, Kenan, is that, is that you? Yeah, I need three loaves. You need three what? I need three loaves. John's going, let me get this straight. My neighbor is knocking on my door at midnight because he needs a midnight snack. I just want you to think about how receptive you're going to be to this message. Your kids are asleep. Like, shh, shh, John, shh, shh, sorry, 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 guys, sorry, sorry. Please don't wake up. The animals don't wake up. That's always the worst. You're out there. John, I need three loaves. Now, what your neighbor doesn't know is something's happened to you. What happened to you in this next verse, the reason you need three loaves is because a friend of yours arrived on a journey at your house and you had nothing to set before him. So you've been sleeping in your house and there was a knock on your door at midnight and there was a friend on a journey and you had, like he came in, he's exhausted, he's tired, he's famished and you got nothing to give him. Now in that day, hospitality was the, the primo priority. Like it was, the, it was the virtue of all virtues. It was a societal duty and a religious duty married together. It literally was a part of who you were. Like it was, it was your very name on the line. And this guy comes to my house and I, I'm going, oh my gosh, I didn't expect a visitor. And I got no snack. I got no bread to give him. I got nothing to kind of fill his belly so he can get a good night's sleep. And I'm thinking, what do I do? I can't give him nothing, so I hustle over to John's house. And I'm thinking, man, surely, surely John can just loan me three quick pieces of flatbread. John, I need those three loaves. John. And John says this right here. Do not bother me. Like, get the heck out of here, Kenan. It's midnight. My children are in bed with me, knucklehead. I can't get up and give you anything. It's exactly the response we would expect from, from a neighbor at midnight, asking for a snack, asking for three little pieces of bread. But what happens, what happens if I keep knocking? John, I need three loaves. John's going, Kenan, I told you, get out of here. I'm not going anywhere. I need the loaves. I don't have anything to give this guy. My name is on the line. Get up. By now, animals are waking. Kids are waking. I don't care how bad John's trying to get you to leave. What's he going to do? He's going to have to get up. If nothing else, to open the door and whack you. All right? But he's going to have to get up. That's exactly what it says. It says, you know, he didn't get up because he's your friend. You can tell a friend, you're crazy, go to bed, I'll see you tomorrow, and y'all are fine. But because of his impudence, there was this quality about this guy, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Like, he has no choice, he has to respond. Jesus, how do we pray? Like, how do we have that thing you have, that intimacy that exists between you and God? How do we have that? Now, stay with me, I don't want you to get the wrong idea. Go to him, daddy. Yeah, he's God, he's sovereign king, but he is daddy. And you go and you rest in his promises. And, and here, 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 let me give you a story that shows you what it looks like to go to God. You want to know when, you want to know how? Look, um, midnight, really insignificant request, like three pieces of flatbread, really inopportune time, like worst time possible, really seem to, everything seems culturally inappropriate for you to do that, and yet you do it with impudence. That word impudence is the word in Greek, anideia. Anideia. By the way, this is, like, this is like the answer Jesus gives to how we pray. This is a big word, anideia. And this word, you're, you're, depending on what translation you have, your Bible either says um, impudence, like mine, or it says shamelessness, 
or it says boldness, or it says persistence. And it's like, why can't we quite get our language around this word? It's hard. It's kind of bigger than any one of those one words by themselves. In Greek, it's a word. In English, we can't quite pin it down. So we call it all these things. And, and, and any commentary you look at is going to say, it's like boldness, but stronger. It's like persistence, but more. It's like impudence, but bigger. It's like you got to grab all those words and kind of tie them together, and it's this boldish, sorry, shameless, bold persistence. How do we pray, Jesus? Shh, with anidea. Shameless, bold persistence. But yeah, but in the cosmic reality of the universe, I mean, this is just me and, you know, I got, I got a relational issue I'm going through. This is just me and kind of an old wound. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how seemingly insignificant. It doesn't matter how you would think that would be totally inconvenient to bother God with that. No matter what it is, when it is, he is approachable and he is always inviting you to come to him. Shameless, bold, persistence. God. God, now here's where you don't take it too far. The friend, the friend comes because he has to. But not the father. Not the father. The friend is not the father. Friendship is great. Friendship will take you so far. Friendship, you have so many rights. But friendship, you can cross the line that you don't cross to a father. And if the friend will respond to his shameless, bold persistence, we're to know the father won't only respond. The father is going to go out of his way to give something to the one who asks with shameless, bold persistence. The one who feels something that urgently, that strongly, that he'll come with anidea, he's gonna be met not by a friend who's perturbed, but by a father who is delighted. You guys with me? How do, we, how do we have that intimacy that you have, God? How do we have that? Daddy, you rest in his promises, and you pray with this shameless, bold persistence, like you attack the throne room of grace with all of your needs and all of your longings and all of your desires and all of your hopes, and you just keep bringing it, even though it seems like you would just be bogging God down on his kingdom agenda, you keep bringing it, and he will keep answering, and he will delight to give you something. What is he going to give you? The next verse has this radically awesome promise, verse 9. And I tell you, ask, by the way, the, the ask, the seek, and the knock here are in the present imperative, which, which means they're literally to be translated, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. So I tell you, ask, keep on asking, and it will be given to you. What's it? Seek, and you will find. What, what, what are we going to find? Knock, and it'll be open to you. What will be opened? You guys with me? Jesus says, and I say to you, there is this emphatic voice, the, the incarnate God, the God-man says, you pray like this guy prays. By the way, that's the answer to the question, how do we pray? He points to this guy, the impudent one. You pray like him, and I want to declare it. You keep on asking, you keep on seeking, and you keep on knocking, and you're going to receive it. What is it? What am I going to get? You guys remember the first thing I told you. I said, don't lose the context today. The disciples heard Jesus praying. They heard something that astounded them. To talk to God like that? To be 
not just a friend, but to, to have intimacy with God. You gotta teach us how to teach us how to have that. How do we have that? You gotta know he's your daddy. And you gotta come with an idea. What? What? Are we gonna bother him? No. A friend would be bothered, not the father. The father won't be bothered. Matter of fact, watch this. What father, verse 11, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Like, like who has a son that says, hey, dad, I'm so hungry. Dad, can I have a fish? I'm just hungry. And, and you give him a snake. You give him a poisonous animal instead of the meal that he desires. Or, or, or what, who among you, if your son asks for an egg, like, dad, I'm hungry. Can I get an egg, dad? Can you, can you scramble me an egg? Who's going to give him a scorpion? Now, I know you're going like, what's the, what, and how do we get scorpion from it? But a scor- in that day, scorpions were had a yellowish color in that area. And when they would be um, at the uh, hot parts of the day, they would just curl up and be in a little ball, like a little yellowish ball, looked like an egg yolk. And they say, so your son says, Dad, I'm hungry, you can give me an egg. Are you going to give him a scorpion? A deadly animal? Y'all can scream no at me. I mean, no, of course not. Watch this. If you then who are evil, now I don't love this verse, okay, but it's true. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. Let's just stop there. Uh, yes, that's exactly, I need to agree with Jesus on that. That is right. Uh, evil sounds so harsh, but at the end of the day, if we want to examine me and all of, I mean, we're going to find a guy who's very selfish, who's very prideful, uh, who's very self-centered, who uh, has, you know, can be very short-tempered. I mean, you're going to find this kind of junk, now, and you're going to end up saying, all right, righteous, evil, righteous, evil. Like, you're evil. And yet, I'm not giving my kid who asked for an egg a scorpion. So if you who are evil, that's every dad in this room, that's every person in this room, if we know how to give good gifts, how do you think the sentence is going to be completed? Don't look, don't look, don't look. How much more... Will your fa- don't look. How much more will your Father in Heaven give? What do you think? Seems like you'd say good gifts, right? And by the way, when Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, one reason that might be in your head is because he's preaching a sermon and he dovetails into prayer and he does say, "How much more will your Father give good gifts?" In a different context. But remember what he's doing right now. He's answering the question of a disciple who says, "Teach us how to pray." Who's after the intimacy? He doesn't say right here. How much more will the Father in heaven give you good gifts? He says, and how much more? You're evil, and you know how to get good gifts. How much more will he who is the antithesis of evil, he who is perfect, holy, and good, he who is the perfect, loving Father, how much more will he give the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will he get? Listen, you go to him with your need, your hopes, your longings, your wounds, your deepest desires, the junk in your life, the seemingly insignificant stuff that you wouldn't even bother a neighbor at midnight about. You take it all to him, and here's what he brings you. Not necessarily what you think you want, not necessarily what you think's best for your life, but he does bring you something. What he brings you is his very presence. Like it's what the psalm said. He will draw near to you. He'll be with you in your need. And you know what you have when you have God with you in your need? 
John says you got life abundant right there. You, got, you may have nothing else, but if you have intimacy with God, you've got everything. Jesus doesn't say he'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him for the Holy Spirit. That's not if you're praying specifically God. No, it's if you're praying with anidea. If you're praying with shameless, bold persistence, if that's you, if you are the one who keeps on asking, keeps on seeking, keeps on knocking, here's what you're going to get. You're going to get God. You're going to get intimacy with God. That's what, that, that's what the disciple asked. How do we have that? You come, to your, you come to him like your daddy, and you pray with shameless, bold persistence, and you keep on asking, and you keep on knocking, and you keep on seeking, and you get his spirit. Wait a minute, I didn't ask for a spirit. I, I, had, I have a lot of other great things in mind, but what about all the good gifts that I'd like? Because that's how we think, if we're honest. Holy Spirit, that sounds pretty good, but I, you know, I like the other stuff. I'd like the smorgasbord of excess that I'm praying for. You know, you know what's so incredible about getting the Holy Spirit? It's incredible. It's incredible. We, 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 we come to God and we say, God, I need some help. Like, I got this thing in my life. God, can you help me with this? And God says, can I help you? How about this? I'm going to give you the one they call the helper. Well, God, I've, I've got this, you know, I've got this sickness. I've got this festering wound. God, I need healing in my life. Can, can you heal me? You need healing. I'm going I'm to give you the one they call the healer. God, I need to be comforted. Man, I'm in a dark place. I'm struggling. I'm just kind of depressed, and, and here's what's going on. And, like, can, you, can you comfort me? Can you, you be with me? I'm going to give you the one they call the comforter. I need some guidance on, on, on some issues. I need some discernment. I need some, I gotta figure some things out. I'm gonna give you the one they call the guide. I need to know the truth. I need, I need to know, I need wisdom. I need discernment. I need truth. I'm gonna give you the one they call the teacher. I need love. I need peace. I need patience. I need gentleness. I need kindness. You know, I need self control. Can you help me with these things? I'm going to give you the spirit that is the source and manifestation of every one of those fruits in your life. We come to God and we ask for great gifts. And he doesn't give us necessarily the gifts, but he always brings the giver. And the giver is far better than the gifts because if you have the giver, you have access to all of his gifts. He says, the one thing you'll get is me, my spirit with you. And the throne room of grace is yours. And you pray. You keep on coming. Keep on asking. Keep on knocking. You get it all. Now let me just, I just, I have, to, I have to call time out. I have to put the asterisk. Doesn't mean God gives you everything you want him to give you. And, and I want to say, praise God for that. And you know, I, I, I don't know if I would have learned that until I think about the things that my children ask me for. And they, and they ask with shameless, bold persistence for donuts at every meal. Now, why can't we just get all the donuts, bring them home, and have them all weekend? Like, what is the problem? They're fantastic. You know what, you know what Caleb asked me last week? He said, Dad, can I drive to basketball practice today? I said, can you drive? What do you want to drive? He said, I want to drive your car. You want to drive my car. 
what are, where am I going to sit? He goes, you're going to sit where I sit. I'm, I'm going to sit in your car seat. You sit, and I want to drive around. I said, you really think you could do that? He goes, yes, Dad, please let me do that. Please let me do that. What do you think? No way. But you know why? I love that guy way too much to let him drive my car to practice. I don't care what he thinks. I love him so much, there's no way I'm going to do that. And we bring our request to God. Oh, God, please on this one. But God, please, this is the one. If you'll just do this one, I know that. But please, and God says, I love you way too much to do that. And you may not understand that now. You may not ever understand it. But here's what I will do. I will be with you in my spirit, and I will give you the source of every good thing in your life. And you know, let me just say this, if if we were really wanting to um, agree with Jesus on this and say, all right, all right, let me practice this shameless, bold, persistent thing. Let's let's go for it together. Y'all ready? What if we stepped into it? Like, okay, okay, we get it. Like, okay, what if we are going to do a little midnight knocking with God? Are you ready for this? Okay, God, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry to bother you, but, you know, Jesus said kind of any, t- any time, you know, and, okay, so, so here, here's the thing, like, uh, you know, you said you could give me the guide, I had a big decision, but the truth is, as I think about it, Lord, um, I, 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 I need you as like a permanent GPS inside of me, like, I, I need your help constantly, not just in this one decision, and God, if, I, if I might say this, God, I, I asked you to forgive me for, for, you know, yesterday for that, that junk in my life, but, but truthfully, I, I need a lot, a lot more of your grace because I just keep stumbling around in my sin. And God, I, I brought up that one thing that is hurt that I feel resentment and bitterness that I've never told anyone about. But God, truthfully, I got dozens of those. I need, I need your healing presence with me. Like, all right, God, I'm going to try this anti-daya thing out. And I feel bad even asking, but is there some way could your spirit just like, not just help me for a minute, but could you like, I don't know, it's crazy, but could you like somehow come out of heaven and live inside of me like for good? Is that okay to ask? Will you do that, Lord? And uh, the craziest thing. We're not coming at midnight asking for three pieces of flatbread. Like, uh, we're, we're coming saying, I am broken and I am in need and I need your spirit not just for a moment. I need him for good. I need him to take up residence me and I need him to like bring life out of death and I need him to change my mind about so many things and I need him to to bring forth the fruits of repentance and faith and I need him to stir my affections towards him and I need him to live in me as a deposit and as a guarantee and as a down payment and as a seal until I receive what's coming one day when I lay down this body and step into your presence once and for all. And here's what you got to hear. God delights. He delights in your impudence. Loves it. Says, yes! Yes! I'll put my spirit in you. 1 Corinthians 6, your body will be his temple. He'll always be with you. You'll have all of me 
with you all of the time. And let me tack on. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Jesus, Jesus, how, how do we pray? How do we have that, that thing you got with God there? You know, that real relationship, that intimacy. He's daddy. You come with shameless, bold persistence, and you keep on coming. Even with the, everything, you keep on coming. And the evil dad can give you good gifts. Your heavenly father he can give you this. He can give you intimacy with God. You'll have it. Emphatic voice, I tell you the truth. It'll be yours. Uh, you know, a verse comes to mind is Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, like we can't possibly ask or imagine the amazingness that he can do in our lives. To him who is able to do amazing, uh, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, listen to this, according to the power at work within us. Who is that? That's him. That's the gift. That's him. That's the spirit according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's how we pray. So let's pray. Father, you, you have helped me so much this week. You have, you have helped me to remember that the great gift of intimacy by way of your Holy Spirit is mine if I just keep on coming. If I just keep asking that you've given me the right of a child to his father to even when it's ridiculous to just keep climbing in your lap and keep, and keep bringing my need and you keep bringing your presence and I get this intimacy that is far greater than any good gift any earthly father could ever give me. Lord, I, des I, I so strongly desire intimacy with you in my life, and I desire that for our people here at our church. I pray that we be a church that prays, and thus we are a church that has intimacy with our Father in heaven, that that be ours. Whatever befalls us, whatever circumstances that come, whether they are those that we celebrate or those that we grieve, we would have your spirit alive and Anthoming out life from the very depths of our soul that we would know intimacy with our Father and we would radiate your light in the darkness. Let us come to you like little children and let us keep on coming. Daddy, da, da. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.